Welcome to Forte Catholic Radio. This is your host, Taylor Stroll. We are recording in the Red Sea Radio National Headquarters in College Station, Texas. It is a beautiful day out here today. I'm glad it's beautiful because there have been so many weather changes. And when the weather changes, my allergies get crazy. If you listened a couple weeks ago, you heard me go through a very terrible cold where I sounded like Tarzan doing the What's Up intro. Today, the cold is gone, but there's still like, you ever have that, like, you feel like your ear needs to pop? Yes. You know, there's, there's, like, that, there's like that pressure there. Like, you mm-hmm. know, just like sinuses building up. When I yelled What's Up, it finally popped. <laughs> well. I did it. I am healed. Praise the Lord Jesus. <laughs> he has healed me through Catholic radio. Amen. Amen, sisters. Okay. So here's what we're doing today. Our first segment, I'll explain last because it's kind of a surprise. Second segment, Doug Took of the Renovo podcast is coming on the show. He has an f- awesome podcast about finding the miraculous and the mundane. 20, 25 minutes of like these things that you probably didn't cover in like religious ed class, right? It's not like sacraments or, you know, virtue or random things, right? It's more like Melchizedek and why the heck do Catholics use candles in their prayer? You know, like these things like this that we just kind of always, yeah, Jesus order Melchizedek. You're like, wait, what? Or wait, does my does a candle really lift my prayer to God? Like, what is happening? Why do we actually do this? And there actually really are reasons. So Doug's going to come on. We're going to do a rapid fire covering a lot of these topics in two minutes or less. Do not miss out on that. And then finally, in segment three, we're going to finally do a segment that I have had planned for three weeks and just never have time for. (laughs) So we're going to get to it today. It's a reflection on uh, what God can do for us uh, in healing, like how God can heal us. And some of these things that we long for, you know, because this this season of Lent is a time where we're trying to renew, where we're trying to refocus, right? And there are things that we that we want, but sin gets in the way, but then we're trying to grow in virtue. It's like, well, what are we actually trying to do? And we'll talk about some of the like uh, pitfalls that we normally can fall into. So that's what I have planned for the show. Segment one, typically how like I plan for the show is I look into my mind and I say, Taylor, what do you want to talk about today? <laughs> <laughs> and then I answer myself, these things. And I'm like, good idea, Taylor. That's really good stuff. <laughs> today, I ran out of ideas. Dun, dun, dun. So I called in producer Sam to do her producing of the show. So for those of you that don't know, typically a producer for a radio show like runs the sound boards, like are doing the 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 sound levels and make, making the phone calls to the Doug Tukes of the world and all these kinds of things, making sure everything's running smooth, keeping me on time and, uh, you know, laughing at my jokes uh, because even when they're not funny, because that's your job. It's true. Also, another role of producers on other radio shows is like they help produce content on the show. And Sam has helped me in multiple occasions randomly with like, hey, play this game or hey, let's talk about this. 
today I was like, you know what? I'm just going to hand a whole segment over <laughs> to Sam. So Sam, instead of going into Taylor's mind right. and finding content for, you know, from things like what's going on in my spiritual life, mm-hmm. what's the crazy adventure that I just took, what's God revealing to me mm-hmm. uh, in my pit of despair, you know, like those kinds of things. Right. We're going to reverse it and go inside your mind and your soul. We're going to take a deep dive into the soul of producer Sam. Are you ready? I I think so. I think I'm ready. So Sam, (laughs) you've had a a new exciting development happen in your life here in the last couple of weeks. I did. What is that? Um, So I actually joined a young adult group here in College Station area. Yes, at St. Thomas Aquinas. Give it up for them. Whoop. (laughs) Yeah, so they started a a young adult ministry about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think. And it's just been crazy amazing um, with just so many young adults. Cremazing. Cremazing. That's the correct term. (laughs) Exactly. Just with so many young adults here, uh, it's nice to get to know other young adults that don't work at the same place that I work at. You know, not that. She's tired of us, everybody. That's not true. Not that I'm tired, but like. You know, I want my friends to also be Taylor, outside of I'm work. I'm not tired of you. I just never liked you in the first place. <laughs> I did not say that. You didn't have to. Your words, your eyes said it. My eyes said it. We didn't say we were going into my eyes. We said we were going into my soul. That's the window to the soul, Sam. Oh, dang it. I set you up for that, you didn't did. I? did. Knocked it out of the park. There it is. Anyways. Yeah. So I've been going to this young adult group and it's been super, super awesome. Yeah, they've been talk like we've been talking as the young adults, especially for like like I am a young adult. I don't look like it, but I'm a young <laughs> adult. But like I have a, a wife and kids, right? So like they're they're still in like I do still feel the need around here to have like a community of church people, like outside of work, because that's kind of my community too. Right. But especially especially for young adults who aren't married and don't have mm-hmm. kids and like um there is a definite need around here because like it's this weird thing locally that we have St. Mary's Catholic Center, like arguably, but not really arguably, right? the greatest college campus ministry in the nation. Very true. And so they're doing great things for the majority of young adults who live in this community, the 18 to you know, 22 for the most part. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, what about the other young adults? You know, the church says young adults are till like 45. You're like, what about the rest of us? You know? Right, right. So uh, I'm, I'm so glad that this young adult group has started. And like, you know, I am your your mentor at mm-hmm. work. So like we talk about, you know, what's, the, what's going on in your spiritual life. And I don't want to like reveal too much. But one thing that you have said that I think is fine to be public is like you're looking for that community, right? right. Like you're looking for that community outside of work, like you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And you finally have found it. And I've just seen this every time you talk about it, this, just this joy. <laughs> it's like, it's finally happening. You know? <laughs> it's, it's coming here. all together. <laughs> yeah. So what has been like your initial takeaways from the first couple of weeks of being at this young adult group? Yeah, um, the big thing, our first meeting, we kind of came all together, and Darren Chris, he's the one that's in charge of it over there, and he was very much like, I don't want this to look like youth nights, I don't want this to kind of be something you've already done, like, what do you want? And the whole meeting was like, what What do you actually it's want? It's very Ryan Gosling of him. It's very What r- do you want? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true, and so, like, literally, we just took time bouncing ideas off of each other, we want retreats and we want time to really develop our faith and share our faith, have some accountability. But the biggest thing we talked about was how do we live out our Christian faith? Like, how do we do that? 
it's not easy now because a lot of the people don't go to A&M anymore or they're not like in that automatic community. So how do I live that in a workplace that maybe doesn't, isn't like a place that's like all Catholics or is in a place that maybe you can't even really talk about your religion at all? Like how do we actually live out being holy people? Yeah, For all those young adults who work in waste management, what are, what are we to do? You know? <laughs> what are we to do? So uh, one of the things that we were talking about before the show is that that's really stuck out to you and that has really helped you. Like, and it's just kind of happenstance that it's right around the beginning of Lent is this topic of virtue. And you've Mm -hmm. learned some new things about virtue that I thought were really interesting as we were talking this afternoon when you were producing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So why don't you share a bit about that? And the reason I want you to share about it is because we are in this season of Lent where we are trying to let's refocus. Mm -hmm. Let's try not to be slobs of Catholics. Like let's try to grow in our faith, grow closer to God and his church. So what can you share with us today about virtue? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we actually just like straight up opened the catechism, which seems very intimidating, by the way. I'm not going to lie. I was very intimidated. But like to open it up and actually read what the church says about virtue um, just like literally blew my mind. Um, I'm going to read like the first five words or so and then kind of talk about it. But it talks about um, a virtue is a is habitual. And so like cussing on the air, please. Exactly. (laughs) And so like as you keep reading throughout the paragraphs there, all of it talks about virtue is you doing the virtue. And I think anytime I ever heard virtue, it was more like, oh, I'm going to pray to God for a virtue and he's just going to give me grace. And I'm just going to automatically come down like a little present, like in the Hunger Games. Exactly. Come down and like Like a a little parachute. Yeah, parachute. There you go. And float right down. And I can just hold it in my hands. And all all of a sudden, (laughs) I have I have virtue, you know, or like you would pray for virtue and God's just going to give it to you. Um, And like in some way, yeah, grace is awesome. And like God gives it to us. But what it's talking about in here is like you choosing to be virtuous. So like you taking those actions every moment that you get a chance to, and then the Lord takes that and puts divine grace upon it and it's elevated. And so it's kind of just like a reverse, a reverse thought, I guess. It's like you actually have to do something. (laughs) You can't just sit down and like, oh, I'm going to be holy and virtuous because I sit here and ask for it. It's like, no, you actually have to do something to become virtuous. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's our participation Mm. in this relationship, right? Absolutely. It's not just a one-way relationship of us telling God our problems, Mm -hmm. and it's also not a one-way relationship the other way of God doing everything for us. Like, we have to do something as well. You know, like, like I think we've talked about it multiple times on the radio, but... uh, it's like being in a parked car with the emergency brake on and be like, God, lead me where you want to go. And he's like, take the brake <laughs> off, put, turn the key, put gas in the car, start driving. Like you have to do something. Right. He's the one that's going to propel you and lead you and do all these things. It's like the whole grace builds upon nature, right? Exactly. Like we have our nature. We have these habits mm-hmm. that we have to commit to. Right. God is going to help us in that. But we do have to do something about it, right? Exactly. And I, I just remember after this night, um, like he he talked about it. And then I went home and I was like, I'm missing something. Like I know that God wants to speak to me, but I'm not quite understanding. And I actually took took those verses, took those paragraphs to prayer. And God was like, that's what I want you to do this Lent. Like that's what I want you to focus on. And I was like, 
oh, uh, okay. <laughs> like I'm going to grow in virtue. Okay. What is, what does that mean? So like literally the, the next day I, I bought a book about virtue and um, just have been having this kind of turn of heart of like, I can't just sit around and wait anymore. Like uh, God has given me grace. He's already given me wisdom to know the difference, to know what is right and what is wrong. And it's me having to act upon it and not be lazy. I tend to be lazy sometimes um, in my faith or just in life. Sometimes. <laughs> Procrastination, all of those great, not so great things. <laughs> and so to be able to start like putting that into action, um, I actually like went to confession and I went to adoration. I went to mass that day or like the Friday after. And just I could tell the Lord was like kind of breaking my stony heart of just like being still for so long to like actually start moving and like pumping to like actually do things in my life to grow in virtue. It's interesting because as like we, you and I talked about this, mm-hmm. right? We talked about this growing in virtue and then I went to track practice. For those that don't know, I'm the high school boys track coach at St. Joseph's Catholic school where we do ministry stuff too. And I just love coaching. You know, it's, it's a passion of mine. And uh, I was thinking about it because number one, working out, is a habit that you have to form. Right. And there are many times, as many, you know, the thousands of days I worked out in my sports career, there are thousands more that I've gone, you know what? I'm not doing anything today. You know, <laughs> like, it takes that habit of actually doing it. Mm-hmm. And I went to the track practice today, and I was thinking about this because, you know, like, I'm trying to get in shape and not be tubby, you know? And, <laughs> and uh, I was just telling my track boys yesterday and today we, we just started last thursday so we've had this was our third practice second for some of them because a lot of them missed yesterday because of a baseball game mm-hmm. second or third practice and they're like they like most of these guys i've been around them for three years like we have a relationship we like each other you know and uh all of them are like taylor like i don't like you <laughs> today because <laughs> i'm making them run you know right and i said guys like ask the guys that were here last year you are not going to like me for two weeks, maybe three. You're not going to like me hmm. because I'm going to make you work hard. You are not in shape. You have to get your, you have to, I'm going to make you habitually run mm-hmm. four to five days a week. It's going to suck. Mm-hmm. But a- after doing this for two to three weeks, I pr- I've done this nine times myself running my own track seasons. I know I've been there, right? Right. I know that it's tough, but I also know the feeling two and a half weeks from now when we go to our track meet and you're all winning stuff. Mm. That's because of the work that you did, but the work that I also, a part of it is the work that I forced you to do when you didn't want to do it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, they have to make this choice mm-hmm. of I'm, I'm their coach. I'm in charge, but any one of them can walk off. Right. They don't have to run track. Right. But they know I'm, I, I'm asking them to trust me. They're trusting the process. Like we had a great season last year. They're trusting the guys that were there last year that we know what we're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's going to take this tough couple of weeks to form this habit, to literally open up and strengthen their lungs, to strengthen the muscles in their legs that they've been sitting around playing video games on for for months. Right. right? But once you break through it, like it's going to get easier. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've, I was thinking about like you, you were talking about uh, a specific virtue that you're trying to grow in of perfection. Mm-hmm. And I want you to share a bit about that in our last uh, minute or so. But 
that it takes commitment to it right over a span of time before it really starts becoming part of who you are so tell us a little bit about this uh virtue of perfection you're working on yeah absolutely um I, I I bought this book, right? And so you work on one virtue for a whole month to really build that habit out of everything that you're trying to do. And the cool part is it, it it's not to sit there and like tear yourself apart. I tend to do that. Like, oh, I'm not perfect. Oh, I wish I was better at this. Oh, so many people are better at this. I shouldn't do it. And it's not so much to like point out your flaws, but the point is to that your life would be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect that your life would represent Christ. And when people saw you, they would never doubt, oh yeah, Samantha's Christian, or oh yeah, of course Samantha's Catholic. I would know that because I've seen Jesus in the ways that she's lived her life, you know? So just that simple thought, just trying to take that into everything that you do when siblings are annoying or when family can be annoying, when your job can be annoying, to just take that, like, how would Jesus act in this moment and trying to perfect yourself in that way. He'd flip over the tables. That's Definitely. Okay. That's what he would do. He would do that sometimes. <laughs> I, th- that's what I do at work when I'm frustrated. You brood of vipers. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. All right. So, Sam, thanks. This is a good, well-produced, well-produced uh, segment by you. Oh, thanks. So, uh, you're done for. It's my show from here on out. Have fun. Thanks, Take the thanks for Thanks for hanging out. You know, I mean, you can't leave because you have other jobs to do. Oh, okay. But uh, thanks so much, Sam, for sharing. Uh, guys, check out this uh, Facebook group for the young adult group. Sam, what's it called? I think it's called St. Thomas Aquinas's Young Adult Group. I was supposed to look it up. I know you're looking Find at me. It. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> tweet at me or Facebook me and I'll get it to you. All right. We'll be right back. Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. I am very excited for today's guest. It's always great to get another podcaster on the podcast. We are joined today by Doug Took. Doug, how are you this evening, sir? I'm so great. I'm doing great. What a pleasure to be here. Yeah, you. Uh, so to get everybody's levels when they come on the air, I always ask them to describe a meal. You have won, my friend. The meal that you described Woo-hoo. was just tremendous. It was like a surf and turf burger. It got me very, very hungry, but I stuck around <laughs> just to talk to you. I wanted to bolt. Well done. <laughs> well done. So, so, Doug, I just got introduced to you two months ago in January in a podcast, like Catholic podcasters group. I kind of Facebook, Facebook stalked you a little bit. I found your podcast. Uh, and we're going to talk about that podcast. But before we do that, we got to meet the man behind the podcast. So who is Doug Took? Yeah, wow. Uh, I'm the director of marketing and development for ODB Films which is a small little Catholic um, nonprofit film company. We're bringing you uh, Paul, Apostle of Christ, coming out March 23rd uh, in collaboration with Sony Affirm Studios. We're just this little four-person company, but I come out of youth ministry. I've done youth ministry for the last 21 years. I was a diocesan director, a multi-parish minister, a parish youth minister, and do a little bit of speaking on the side. And uh, I've just been I've just been connected with the National Federation for Catholic Youth Ministry for a long time, and 
family man, father of five daughters and beautiful bride and um, live here in Helena, Montana, where it's beautiful and snowy and sunny outside. And it's been great. Life's great. I didn't know the Montana piece. That's really interesting. I didn't oh, yeah. know. I didn't know people actually oh, lived yeah. there. I thought it was just bison oh. that were allowed. You know what? We're okay with that. All of us in Montana, we're okay with people thinking no one lives here because <laughs> we love the quiet. So we're we're good like that. That that works for us. Yeah, there you go. You're you're glad I'm not there and that I'm far away from you. This loud guy overhanging out in Texas. <laughs> we so, love. Oh, I like Texas too, though. I, Texas and Montana, we got a lot in common. I like that. We we both love big, wide open spaces. That's. That's my favorite. Amen. Like our, like everyone's favorite Dixie Chick song. Dixie Chick song. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about the podcast, man. Uh, Renovo podcast. I started listening in January. I've been eating it up. So uh, what does Renovo mean, and what's the goal of the podcast? Yeah, the word means renew or restore. Uh, my good friend Gene Montricelli uh, is just a really talented podcaster. He runs Pasco Media out of Brooklyn, New York, and he kind of got on my case and said I ought to do this. Uh, he's just a great, he's just a great guy. And he said, he said, come up with three, three, you know, episodes and give me a concept. And I did. And he said, wow, this is really great. You ought to do it. I just wanted, I wanted easy faith formation for Catholics sitting four rows back, three seats in. I just wanted, I wanted lighthearted conversational faith formation for the commute, for a jog, you know, just, just 20 minutes, simple, take a topic that you probably wouldn't normally explore and then really dig into the history, but also the formative quality of it. And I've had a blast. We, we, I've had a blast. It's been, it has been an absolute kick. I'm really enjoying it because, like, you know, being in ministry and being around the church, I've heard the same topics over and over again. And you are, you are tackling topics that, like, no one really talks about, you know? Uh, things that we all hear about or, or, or know of, like, you know, candles was the first ones I listened to. Like, what's sure. up with Catholic and sure. candles? We're going to get into that topic here in just a few minutes. But it's like, I've been around the church my whole life, and I've never really thought, why do we light candles? Like, how does that actually help? You know, <laughs> what is that What is that about? And that's the kind of things that you're tackling. The tagline for the show is finding the miraculous in the mundane. So just these normal things in Catholicism. And I really... Really love listening to it. And and the other thing I really like about it is its length. You know, it's one commute, yeah. 20, 25 minutes, really good stuff. Yeah. All on purpose. That was really on purpose. I did a little bit of research. I strategized what I wanted to accomplish. I appreciate other Catholic podcasts that are an hour long. I really do. But I, I wanted something that was very simple and very to the point. So if you see the theme, if you see the topic of the podcast, you know what you're going to get. And you're going to get it in 20 minutes. We did a show called The Bible. I mean, we literally covered like where it came from and why it is what it is in 20 minutes. I want I want all the listeners to know that they can package good formation in that limited period of time. And it's been a good challenge for me who, you know, I can be long winded, but I know that if I get to the point, I'm putting together something quality. What I really wish that Bible podcast was was you speaking for like three hours on the Bible and then just sped up to be in 20 minutes. So uh, speaking of speaking of speeding up to give people kind of a small taste of your show, some of some of the favorite episodes I've listened to, what you and I have agreed to do is we are going to tackle a few of the topics that you have tackled on your podcast, just not in the 20 minutes and the 25 minutes, you know, in that amount of depth. I'm going to challenge you to get the essentials down in two minutes. 
So how this is going to Love work it. is I'm going to throw out a topic to you that you have covered on, your, on the show. I have my timer out on my phone, and I am going to time with two minutes, and I'm going to go, eh, whatever the time is up, unless you finish beforehand, it. and then I'll introduce the next topic. I think it's going to be a blast. Are you ready, Doug? I'm ready. First topic, Melchizedek. Who the heck is this guy from the Order of Melchizedek? Go. Yes, Melchizedek is uh, is an amazing character. Uh, his name is mentioned in the Eucharistic prayer in the Roman canon. He's out of the Old Testament. Um, Melchizedek is mentioned among the ancient Jews. Uh, he's 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 it's the name. Uh, the name means my king is righteousness. Cool. It's really the first allusion uh, in Genesis 14 to uh, an ordained priest of the church, but the character's really mysterious because he kind of surfaces, but we don't really know what authority he brings. But he, the, the, the passage alludes to bread and wine and being a priest of the God Most High. So Catholics, we've grabbed hold of that language of Eucharist all the way back in Genesis 14, and it became part of our Eucharistic prayer, kind of showing the rootedness of our sacramental life in the Old Testament, but that, but the, the the priesthood itself, Psalm one ten uh, mentions his name as well. Um, one of the messianic psalms describing Jesus Christ as the priest of priests, uh, but he's mysterious. He's a mysterious character. Um, Saint Paul mentions him in Hebrews. Well, we don't really know if Paul wrote Hebrews, but in five chapter five nine through ten, uh, it's mentioned, and I think that's really for the purpose of just uh, just a great narrative on salvation history, just showing that this idea of ordination, the gift of sacramentals in the worshiping congregation is rooted as far back as Genesis, but it's really exemplified in the, in the, in the New Testament, what is controversially the Pauline writing, but is really a, a testament to priesthood in the letter of the Hebrews. And it's kind of cool. It's just kind of cool that that character penetrated our every Sunday prayer, but that a lot of us don't really know who he was. Yeah, 20 seconds. What's the connection to Jesus? Wow. Uh, people think that Melchizedek might have been Jesus <laughs> in wow. the Old Testament. You know, the, the physical presence. There's all kinds of scholarly contention around that, but it definitely is an allusion to the sacrifice of blood and body. Uh, and that's where the connection is for our Eucharistic prayer. You did it. 153. Next one. Bring it on. Candles. Bring it on. Why do we like candles? candles? That doesn't, does it help? Does it help? I don't know. You tell us. Uh, so, you know, what's amazing is all of us youth ministers who do like events in hotel ballrooms, Catholics have this nasty <laughs> reputation. Like when you're filling out a contract, they're like, no candles. We they didn't know start that that's the fire. <laughs> that's right. Bring it on, Billy Joel. I mean, like uh, it's rooted in the temple. It's rooted in the temple of the Old Testament, the traveling tent, the Israelites in the desert. Um, the candle was a symbol of God's presence. Still is today. Leviticus 6 talks about the fire on the altar shall always burn. That language penetrated our liturgical traditions. First uh, Corinthians three, Revelation twenty-one, um, the use of lights or tabernacle lamp or the sanctuary lamp um, found its way into the modern liturgy through the medieval church. Um, it's a symbol. It's obviously a symbol of light. I mean, the image of be salt, be light. Um, uh, the language of Christ uh, in the sermon. He, I mean, he's telling us we're built to see light. The candle has always been uh, an image for that. But what I discovered in the show was I never realized the deep connection to the menorah 
uh, Exodus 25, the notion of the candle as being a sacramental instrument of worship and Catholics using sacramentals regularly in how we worship, it makes perfect sense. And then, of course, we talked about the Paschal candle, the baptismal candle, um, all those kinds of things. Unity candles are actually kind of a Protestant tradition that came into the Catholic Church, but votive candles, uh, why they are what they are, lighting a candle for folks different prayers you can say. There's lots of different uses. You can even talk about bonfires as being a, an actual kind of a, a super example of example of, of, of the use of fire and candle in worship. But I found out a ton. I mean, I found out how gorgeous the process of making an Easter candle is and how it's, it's sacri- like the process is prayerful. It's pure beeswax and it's, it's specifically crafted by religious back in the old days. That made me kind of excited. I mean, it's not just about candles and in our churches, it's about the process of bringing light to the masses. That was a pretty fun show. That was a cool show. There you go. We need, uh, uh, what I learned is that we need more bonfires in church. Okay, next one. Oh, my gosh, right? St. Christopher, my man. He was my confirmation saint. I named my son after him, but there's some questions about him. What's the deal with St. Christopher? <laughs> okay, he's still a saint. Okay, he still acknowledges a saint. He just kind of got ousted um, from patronage uh, about 40 years ago. In other words, he's, he's still regarded as the patron of travelers, protector against toothaches, hailstorms, uh, sudden death. Um, he's the famous wounded wanderer. Uh, this is big oaf of a guy that, uh, that was the, you know, that devoted his life. He wanted to find truth. And actually, it, it, the, the legend has him connecting to Satan as being the powerful and then realizing very quickly that darkness does not win, has this profound conversion to Christianity. Uh, and then the image, of course, his popularity was kind of solidified when a small child approaches him and he carries him across the water. Um, and, and then Christopher is blessed as this great kind of patron of travelers. The thing is, it, it, the legacy is amazing. Like he's, he's, still, he's still regarded as, as a holy uh, carrier of the Christ. But the reality is, we're not. He's kind of kind of downgraded. Um, like his Ooh. feast day is July twenty fifth. Uh, Saint James the Greater also has the same feast day, so they kind of kind of t- kind of toned him down a little bit. But at the same time, there's so much cultural devotion to him that, that he'll never be removed from the canon. Like that's not going to happen. But man, what a character! I mean, like he he's he's a, he's a, he's like a Viking legend in the church, and people really still commit themselves to him uh, culturally, which blew my mind, researching all the holidays and the, the different kinds of celebrations that they have just for him. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, I named my firstborn son after the guy, so he holds a special place in my heart. And I just love that image of of bearing, you know, like Christ bore the world. And, oh, and yeah, we it's get a gorgeous to partici- name, too. Yeah, participate in that with Christ. All right, next one. Gregorian chant. I'm a millennial. I don't really get it. What's its place for me as a Catholic for the church? Go. I love it. Okay, so I love this show because I'm not a really big fan of Gregorian chant in terms of like drawing me into Christ, but what I learned was you have to understand the crisis of music in the church in the Middle Ages. So Pope Gregory the Great obviously is the one that's named after, even though the kind of music that is named after him was existing in the church long, long before that. You have to understand that like in that, that sixth century, that late sixth century, mid and late sixth century, there wasn't really an organized approach to music 
meditation, prayer, reverence in the, in the liturgy. And so the Pope really kind of said, wait a minute, let's make sure we do this well. So his thing, like the chief duty was to take sacred music and then clothe it in like the liturgical text. And that's why it got named after him. And you're also talking about the peak of the monastic era. Or I should say, I should say really the beginning of the peak of the monastic era, where liturgy was changing because of monasteries. And those men, uh, specifically men, and some women, but mostly men, were, were bringing tone to the music. And then it naturally, as the council started to develop, became sort of the standard tone of the church. Here's what I would say. It's gorgeous in that it's very inclusive of the awe and reverence we ought to bring to liturgy. What's challenging is that it doesn't translate to the vernacular very well. Right. I mean, the notion of chant is that it's from beyond and that we are participating in the beyond. But there, you know, pre-Vatican II, it wasn't like every single church in the United States had like great choirs singing chant. That was not the case. So finding a place for it is healthy. Still calling it the go-to for music, I think, is a mistake, and I think most leadership would agree with that. It's, it's not that we, it should be abandoned. It should be celebrated. It's just that we need to understand its place, and I think we need to raise the bar for great liturgical music. That's what I tried to do in the show, was to say, hey, this is, big, this is great. We should know more about it, but we need to have better writers in the modern era. I mean, like, <laughs> liturgical music needs help. I mean, we're kind of stuck in 1985 folk mass. We need to, we need to really... We need to build it up. So I, I'm all about balance. I'm a moderate Catholic. I, I grab from the right and the left and say, here we go. Let's make it happen. You know, very good. All right. Last one. A minute and a half. Your favorite topic that you have covered. Go. Oh, man. OK, uh, man, I loved our show on confirmation because that sacrament needs to be lubed. I mean, like it just it needs to be revisited by the leadership. We need to talk about how we're preparing kids why we prepare them when we part of Eucharist. I love that show. But to be honest with you, the show that I worked the hardest on and was most thankful for was the show I did on homosexuality because the teaching of the church is beautiful and we have a marketing problem. We don't share the teaching very well and we've sort of allowed culture to interpret almost a hatred towards our homosexual brothers and sisters. And that's a mistake. The teaching is completely consistent with the notion of heterosexual love, um, you know, outside of marriage. And we just, we don't, we don't talk about it enough. And there's, there's a large contingency of, of our, of uh, LGBTQ uh, Catholics that feel ostracized. And we just haven't, we haven't used the language to let them know uh, the way that their church loves them. And that breaks my heart a little bit. And so I did a show on it and I, and I got the most mail you can imagine, uh, both love and hate letters. And it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, the, the response was amazing. And so I'm probably most proud of that show, but the confirmation show, I think, might have stirred the field the best. Um, and I like that, too. I like to push those buttons and, and see kind of what shakes out in youth ministry, especially. That's awesome. That's one episode I haven't listened to. I'm going to go download, download that tonight, listen to it on my drive home. Doug, you did it. Congratulations. Woo! You did it. Yeah, buddy. We got, yeah, buddy. We got through it. All right, so here's what we have to do to close up. People, you have got to go listen to this show. Doug's an awesome man. I'm sure you heard it here in this podcast. Doug, how can they listen to you? How can they con get connected with you? 
Oh, it's easy. You know, iTunes, uh, you know, all the major platforms for podcasts, the, the podcast Renovo is out there. You can also just go to renovopodcast.com and listen to it. You can, dougtuke.com will take you to the same site. Um, it's easy to access. It's easy to listen. All the episodes are archived. We've got some great ones coming up in March. We did a show on, on uh, the College of Cardinals. I did a show on women priests. That's going to be a great one. Nice. I did a show on Jesus and film. And then I did a fun show on wacky Easter traditions. Uh, and all of those are coming up this month. And they're going to be great. That's awesome, Doug. Hey, I am really enjoying it. Thank you so much for coming on. Take a big, deep breath and slow down, man. We were racing through that, but you did it. You're a champ. Thanks again, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, God bless you. Guys, we will be right back for our final segment of the day. Don't go anywhere, or I will find you. Alrighty, and welcome back to the Fourth Day Catholic Podcast. It's Taylor hanging out with my man Doug Took. That dude was awesome. I really enjoyed talking with him. I really enjoyed his podcast. Go check it out, Renovo Podcast. All right, we started the show off today talking with producer Sam about virtue. Today, in this final segment, I want to talk about some things with virtue that rocked my world a couple of weeks ago. We will get into that. That's that's the tease, okay? I have some setup before it. Because I want to talk kind of about this Lenten journey, right? We all, like I did a whole thing. Every time Lent comes around, you seem to hear similar homilies. You hear similar radio shows. You hear similar podcasts. Like last year was my first year on the air doing... Lent, so we talked a lot about Lent, you know. You're kind of obligated to around this whole Catholic Church thing. But uh, this year, like, obviously we want to acknowledge Lent, but, I mean, we can do some, like, non-Lenten stuff as well, too. So, um, but this one will, is some general things that will also connect to Lent. So, I'm going to kind of do a little rapid-fire, two-minute kind of thing that I learned on the catechism in the same vein of what Ms. Took did uh, just a few minutes ago. I've heard about the catechism my whole life. Sam talked about it in the first segment about how it's, it is kind of an intimidating big old book. And it's like, I don't get it all. And it's too long and it's complicated, but like it is set up to where, okay, like Sam earlier, I have a question about virtue. What does the church say about virtue? You go look up the word virtue, you find the number and then you go read it. And it's beautiful and profound, right? So you don't, it's not like a novel. You don't have to read beginning, middle, and end. But how it's set up is that there are four pillars, right? You've, most of you listening have probably heard that. But here's a way of looking at it that enticed me in a way that I've never been enticed to read and really dive into the catechism. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago when I was hanging out with Jim Beckman up in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and he was talking about these four segments of the catechism, these four pillars of the catechism, and being how all of them are part of a story. So the creed is, is where the catechism starts. And what is the creed really? 
it's the story of salvation, right? It's salvation history in a paragraph or two, right? So it, you know, we believe in one God, Father Almighty. We believe in the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Church. We believe that Jesus will come again. Like you know, like those kinds of things, right? Like the the basics of our faith are in the creed. That is the story of salvation. So what's the second pillar? The second pillar is the sacraments. The sacraments are how you and I get incorporated into the story, right? We are baptized. We become one with God, right? Original sin is washed away. We become part of the body of Christ. We are incorporated into the story. Whenever we receive communion, we receive the God who is the master of the story, who is the hero of the story. We become one with him. We are incorporated into it. Whenever you and I sin, we go to reconciliation and we are brought back into the goodness of the story, right? So the life in Christ is the third segment. This is the script on how to live out that story. So, and if you're an actor, you have to have a script, or at least some kind of, like, even people who do some ad-libbing, there has to be some kind of context, right? It's not like if, you know, like on Saturday Night Live when Will Ferrell does amazing ad-libbing or Jimmy Fallon does amazing ad-libbing. Whenever they were greats on that show, they weren't making the whole skit up as they were going. There was context, there was a script, and then it was funny when they went like one or two lines off, off script, right? But this is the life in Christ is our script on how to live. How do we truly live part of this story of salvation and when we are incorporated in it how do we live it out and then finally prayer the fourth pillar you begin to fill out new pages of the story as it comes to life your prayer your relationship with god is continuing the story of salvation continuing god's story continuing his plan for creation in you i'm just like man that's some good stuff Right. So here in this Lent, like I'm challenging myself and I'm going to challenge you guys, like, where are you at in your story? Right. Knowing knowing God's story, how are you a part of that? How are you being incorporated to that, into that, this Lent, right? Through the sacraments, through the things you're giving up, through the things you're adding, like, how are those things going? And can you see it as being integrated into God's family, integrated into his plan, integrated into the story that he has written for your life? He's given you a script. This is how to live. This is how to live the virtuous life that we talked about in the first segment. This is how to live for him. This is how to find true happiness is doing what we are built for and living for Christ. And then prayer, like this is filling out the new pages, continuing the work that God has done all the way up until now. And a lot of times we think about in the story of creation or the story of salvation, we think about the great heroes, you know, Abraham and Moses and, and Adam and, and David in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We think of Jesus, obviously, and Paul and Peter. And like we think of these amazing people like they were normal people just like us, right? Like Peter was just a regular guy out fishing. And then Jesus said, come and follow me. He's like, okay, you know, he just did. Like you and I don't have to play this mundane, simple part in the story. Like God's story is exciting. And if if we are able to step up and to, to be part of this plan, play the role that God wants for us, it's going to be an exciting ride. 
Will it have bumps and, and uh, struggles along the way? Absolutely. That's what Lent is a great reminder of. Oh, I really want Chick-fil-A on Friday and Sunday, and now I can't do either. But here's, okay, so here's our transition to the next little part. Uh, talking about healing and like our own personal growth, like our personal growth in holiness forever, but also here specifically in this Lenten season. The catechism starts the first sentence. God created us to share in his own life. That's the first sentence. God created us to share in his own life. So like, why were we made? To be part of God's life, to be part of his love, his joy, all the goodness that he has. That's why we were created. Well, it's like, okay, well, we're not doing that perfectly. We all struggle. We all have our, you know, favorite, favorite two or three sins. Or 18 in Sam's case. <laughs> and 38 in mine. So, <laughs> so God's, like, what is this divine life, right? That is grace. Like, we, we become one with God and, be, and participating in his life. That is grace, right? So what is God's grace doing in us? Grace is this word that we all, it's like, what does that mean again? You know, like we, you've probably heard a talk or two about it, but what really is grace? It's God's life. But what is it doing? Step one, it heals us, right? God's grace, his life heals us. Jesus' ministry was filled with healing. He spoke, he healed, he walked on water, he died, and he rose again. Like, that was the majority of his ministry, was, he, was healing people and teaching people, right? So God wants to heal us. And we're going to go through a list of some things that, um, here, in, here in a couple of minutes to end the show, of, of ways that he can heal us. And like some op- like I'll share about some things that he did to open my eyes to ways that he can and wants to heal me and some of my sin struggles, right? Uh, number two, after it heals us, it perfects us, right? So it heals our wounds, it brings us back into his, into his body, into his love, and it calls us to perfection, right? And like we talked about in the first segment with Sam, it's like it helps us along this journey of us making these habitual choices to continue to grow in virtue of like, I'm going to, con- I'm going to continually choose to work out regularly, right? Like God, God, like we're not zombies. He's not going to just like pick us up and make us run on treadmills, right? Like there has to be some kind of choice on our part as well. But he's going to continue to bless us and continue to help us in that choice, in your choice to give up meat for Lent or your choice to do Whole30 for Lent or your choice to give up video games for Lent or whatever you're doing, right? Your choice to revamp your prayer life. Like whatever you're doing, he's going to give you the grace all the time, but especially when we continue to say yes to him and to continue to say, God, I don't really want to pray today. I'm tired, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then step three, it elevates us. This whole grace builds upon our nature, our regular nature, but grace is supernatural, man. It elevates us to do things that we could never do beforehand, to give us new life, to give us um, a new insight to things that we never had before. So like, it's not like step one happens and then we're done. Step two happens and then step three happens and then, and then we're perfect, right? God is constantly doing all of these things with his grace. He's constantly healing us, 
Because, like, I mean, we, we went and did this thing with Jim Beckman, and they did this, like, he- healing prayer ministry through the Unbound book, if you've heard of, if you've heard of Unbound, this Unbound prayer style. And um, constantly, like, it brought up things that's like, oh, yeah, I still need healing in that. Like, that, st- that memory still hurts. Whether it was something that I did that, I, that I'm still hurting myself about or something that somebody did to me. Like, there still hurts, even though I've been living this Christian life most of my life, right? It continues to perfect us. If you've listened to the show for more than eight minutes, you know that I'm not perfect, right? He's constantly calling us and helping us and giving us the gifts, to, the, the grace to do that. And it elevates us constantly, constantly bringing us closer and closer to him as we climb up this, you know, like a mountain, if you will, right? Climbing up this mountain to him. We fall down once, once or twice. We, he continues to heal us from our bruises to perfect us and get us back on our feet and then elevate us even more. So let's like zoom in on a couple of specific things, right? Because here's the thing that really and truly opened my eyes to some of the things that I'm just like, either that I knew I struggled with and I'm seeing it in a different way or things I'm like, wow, I didn't realize I struggled with that. And I definitely do. So you've heard of the deadly sins, right? And you've heard of heavenly virtues and like, I know you've probably heard of those separately. Another half of you or so have probably seen them uh, paired up with each other, right? Like the easiest one is pride and humility. Pride is a deadly sin. Humility is a virtue. Like they are opposite of each other, right? So I, I know that you've probably heard that, but here's the part that I've never seen. And I'm guessing many of you have never heard is that, okay, when we are choosing this deadly sin, when we're choosing pride over humility, when we're choosing envy over kindness, when we're choosing sloth over diligence, right? Why are we doing that? <laughs> There's, there has to be some kind of reason, right? It's not like we're just like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to go ki- commit mortal sin. <laughs> no, like that's not what we're doing. We as human beings always want what's good for us. We're always longing for what's good for us. Now, sometimes that can be distorted, and we think what's good for us is something that's actually a deadly sin, right? Where it's like, I long to be with a woman, right? That's beautiful in the context of marriage. It's a deadly sin in any other form, right? So what, like, but that longing in itself is not bad. That longing for a man to want to be with a woman is from God. Like that's naturally, it's part, it's part of who we are. But there's a distortion in that longing, right? So here's the deal. I'm going to run through this list. If we are struggling with pride, the distortion of the good divine longing is for abundance. Like we want to experience abundance. God is a God of abundance. He wants to shower his love and his gifts upon us, but pride's the shortcut. It's like, I'm going to do it myself. I've got what I need. I don't need God. And that's the opposite of humility, right? Where humility is like, God, thank you for these gifts. See how this is making sense? So um, <clears throat> envy, when we're ev- envious, what we really want, what we're really seeking for is dignity. To be able to truly see each other and give each other the respect that we all deserve. Instead of the heavenly virtue of being kind and like, oh, you know, Sam gets a promotion or she gets, uh, you know, wins the lottery for $1,000. It's like in your dignity, I'm like, man, that's awesome for you. 
You are awesome. You're an awesome person. You totally deserve it. That's the virtue. The envy is, I need to pay my bills. Why didn't I win the lottery? You know, like that's the longing for wrath. It's justice. If you go to mass this coming Sunday, which you absolutely should, because that's a mortal sin as well. Hey, (laughs) wrath. You'll see this in Sunday's reading. It's where Jesus is is flipping the tables, calling them broods, broods of vipers and all these, all these kinds of things, right? The, the distortion is justice. We want justice. Jesus wanted justice. Zeal for his father's house will consume him. He wasn't in sin, sinful wrath. He was in justice. The heavenly virtue is patience, right? For sloth, it's peace. We want peace. We want to feel this sense of, ah. One way that we think we'll do that is sloth. I have so much to do, and it's, 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 it's way too much. I'm just going to sit here and play video games, or I'm going to sit here and watch Netflix. It's actually making the situation worse, right? You have stuff that you do. The heavenly virtue is diligence or fortitude. For greed, it's trust. Whenever we're being greedy, we're saying, God, I don't trust you to provide for me. Right? For gluttony, it's well-being. Oh, I want to take care of myself. I need to eat all this food and, and gain 30, be 30 pounds overweight so that when I get stranded on a desert island, I don't die immediately. It's like, no, dude. Use some temperance. Use some virtue, right? And then lust, like we talked about at the beginning, it's this desire for communion, this desire to be one with another. And then that's, that's from God. When we are in the deadly sin, that is lust. When we, are, when we use that divine longing towards virtue, it's chastity. Like this blew my mind. This was like, oh my gosh, these are my excuses, you know? It's like, oh, I'm wrathful. No, I just want to just. It's like, no, you were probably wrathful. Or struggling with, with, with lust, right? Oh, I wanted communion. No, you really wanted a cheap, cheap way to, to think you had it, right? Live chastely. All these things, right? So I hope that was helpful for you here on your Lenten journey and beyond. Next week, we will be back with Ashley Selg of the Mass Box. It's this great thing to help you and your family and your kids prepare for the Mass. My family and kids are absolutely loving it. Uh, I'm sorry again, we didn't have enough chance, enough time to get to Father Jared Cook. Maybe next time. We'll be back. Say it! Folks, thanks for listening to today's show. I hope that you enjoyed it. For more shows and for more information on Forte Catholic, head on over to fortecatholic.com. Find all the social media and more shows there. Enjoy, and we'll see you next week.